Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Golf Podcast. This is episode number 326, and, and some exciting news to share with you guys. Hard to believe here, Mike. We have been doing this remotely now for, I think it's 10 weeks. Is this our 10th week? I think it is 10. I, I think, think we went into 10. 10 weeks Might be 11. since March. Know. How wild is that? But the good news to share is that this hopefully, barring any other crazy news or anything like that that goes down, this should be our last episode doing this remotely and we should be back in HQ uh, as of next week, back doing the podcast the way we like to do it, sitting in the same room uh, rather than doing this all via uh, Skype. So I'm excited for that. Um, that's going to be, it's going to be just nice. It'd be nice to be back there and starting to get back into a rhythm, which, which in fact, Mike, next week, uh, the PGA Tour returns as well. That is right. I'm excited for that. A lot of big names in the field. And of course, golf on TV. It will be fanless, but hey, man, it's golf on TV again. I'm excited. It is the most stacked field, the Charles Schwab Cup, yeah, <laughs> Charles <right>? Schwab Challenge, <laughs> or whatever it is this this year is has ever seen. I think there's yeah, a, it's like a major. There's like 10 of the top 15 players in the world because everybody's itching to get back out there and play. And you know, the other exciting news is hopefully within the next couple of weeks, we'll be bringing twig back, which is a fun segment we do every week this week in golf. Mm -hmm. So uh, being back in HQ, it's going to start to feel like reality again. So I'm really excited with that about that. Um, I also, I want to report back on my progress. I told everybody last week, I said, I would give you a report. We last week, we talked about five ways to play smarter golf. And I said that I was going to try uh, a little technique and I said, I'd give you guys a report. And I, and on my personal scorecard, I give myself a C. Uh, <laughs> there's, there is a lot of improvement still to do, but I, I, I started the process, which is, you know, that's usually the, the, the biggest hurdle is getting started, but I'll, I'll report back on that. And a few of you had messaged and said, uh, that you enjoyed some of those tips from last week. So thank you for sharing that with us. So we'll talk about that. And of course, we're going to do this week's Twitter tap in segment as well. Uh, but before we do, of course, want to thank our sponsor Titleist Mike. It's June. Like I said, it, we're, we're coming out of this, you know, you know, mm -hmm, the golf mm -hmm. facilities, they're starting to reopen so we can finally get our Vokey SM8 wedge fitting on the books with Kevin Sprecher. Super excited about that. It, it, we've been talking about it for so long. This was supposed to happen back in March, and now we're going to finally get out there and do it. And, and you and I, we've seen the SM8s up close. We even spoke with uh, Bob Vokey right here on the show back in January. We got to talk about his thoughts of what process went into the design and creation of the SM8s. And Bob and his whole team, they're always pushing the limit to produce an amazing, amazing product. product. But with the SM8s, they've really made a giant shift forward. And I've seen a lot of tour players recently, Mike, getting very excited, getting their custom stamping and all getting ready to game the SM8s this season as the season restarts. So it's going to be exciting to see how it performs on the tour, but I encourage you guys to follow along with our wedge fitting journey. We're going to, of course, we're going to do a video. We always learn so much when we do that with Kevin Sprecher, and I'm interested to see the gains that we have as we move from the SM7 to the SM8, so stay tuned for all of that. And in the meantime, uh, you can go to Vokey.com to find out more about the SM8 wedges, and while you're there, click that Get Custom Fit button. And that way you'll be able to find a Vokey fitter near you. Guys, there is nothing like the experience of going through a good fitting. And especially when it comes to wedges, these are your scoring clubs. 
this is what you want to do. So uh, definitely be sure to check that out. Um, all right. I, I promised an update here, Mike. So last week, so let, let's get it. Let's mm-hmm. get it. Last week, you guys, uh, you and I, we got we got the uh, the chance um, to get out there and play Black Bear, and we played with the with the guys from the uh, from Inside the Leather, Ronnie and Jeremy, uh, both terrific golfers. I won't tell you who won. We played a little fun match, which, by the way, Jeremy really impressed me. That kid's got a heck of a swing. He does. He's got game. Um, he, he was a little out of it though. But uh, he's got some game. It's a tough course. Tough course. It's tough to gauge anyone's game at Black Bear. I think the the putting was what was frustrating everyone. I know those guys were, were losing their head a little bit in a few spots where they just were missing putts they should have made. But we all did that. But yeah. I, you know, going back through some of the footage and, and working on doing some of the edit, I'm watching Jeremy swing back and God to be able to rotate like him again. You know, youth is is a nice thing. Yeah. Kid is 20, man. Imagine if he's 20. I mean, I'm looking at this kid in <laughs> slow motion, the lag he generates and the hip turn. And and I struggled dramatically with hip turn that day. And I, I tweeted afterwards and I said I felt like the tin man out there. I just I was I just couldn't move, you know. And I know a lot of that is from being you know, stationary, stagnant, whatever in, in quarantine. Um, but just the hips were not turning. They weren't the, like, it was just at a point where it just would stop and I couldn't rotate. And what would happen was I spraying everything right. So huge slice, which I'm not used to. And because I'm so not used to it, I wasn't able to really mentally compensate for it and just, you know, know that my body didn't have it that day and just aim further left. And I would try, but it just wasn't playing out for me. So that leads me to what I wanted to talk about here last week, I said, one of the things that I wanted to do and a commitment that I was going to make going forward was in order to play smarter golf was to have a better strategy going into it. Look at the course, look at the scorecard before I play and go in with some sort of game plan. So I, I, that's where I I give myself a good mark is that I, I did it the night before I took the time. I pulled up the Black Bear scorecard online. I looked at every hole and I started to come up with a general idea. Of where, like what I wanted to hit, where I wanted to hit it, right? And I see so you already took, laughing. Here we go. Here we you go. Took, you did your homework, but you failed the test. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so what I did was I said, all right, let's look at it. Let's come up with a basic game plan. And I, I knew there was a couple of holes immediately, not even taking out driver. There were some short holes. For example, there's that par four that everybody went for, but I pulled out the hybrid right? Because I think it's one of those ones that deceives the eye when you see the yardage 250 par four, but you don't realize how uphill it is. So I'm I'm playing through it and I'm like, okay, I can do this. And I started off with, with my plan, but the problem is it, it's like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth, right? So I, uh, I, I said, you know, what am I, what am I doing wrong here? Like how, how can I kind of stay in track? And the problem that I found was that because my drive was often being pushed left. I mean, sorry, being pushed right. I found myself in so many situations where I, I just couldn't stick to my strategy because I was trying to recover. So even if my strategy was, you know, drive or, 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 you know, play an iron off the tee, I quickly would have to get away from that strategy in order just to, to get back. And especially because we were playing a match. So I'm like, how do I just come out of this hole with, with a decent enough score? And that's what I need. The next set, set of focus for me is like, okay, there's game plan. So I, like that part is good. I, I developed a game plan and in certain spots I was able to stick to it, but how do I adapt my strategy when the game plan 
you throw a wrench in that game plan. And this and this particular wrench was a shot shape that I'm unfamiliar with due to my body not doing what I wanted it to do that day. Right. So I think the best man. golfers are ones who are able to adapt on the fly. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is going to be my next kind of focus. Like, okay, build upon it. Next round out, we're playing again this weekend. I'm going to take a look at the scorecard. I'm going to try to come up with a plan. But then I'm also going to try to work on how do you then adapt when something about that plan is is not doable. On the fly. On the fly. That's going to be tough. It's going to be challenge. tough. Hey, that's why we love this game. It's a, it, it's a challenge I mean, every every time. Right. And I I mean, Hollowbrook for me, the driver was working. And then the next time we played at New York Country Club, it just wasn't. Yeah. So I had to adapt and I had to switch the game plan, go back to more uh, irons off the tee. But you're right. It's a tough thing to adapt on the fly. And it is wild how one thing could be or multiple things could be working one round and then not the next round. You know, similarly for me, like New York Country Club, my miss, if anything, was my normal miss pushing it left. Right. And if I, if I miss, it's usually a hook instead of my usual draw. And here everything's going left, going right with, with a, with a huge slice, you know, an epic slice. And it's just like, just the body wasn't turning that day. And then what do you do about it? So, you know, the back issues, unfortunately continue for me, but that's an area where it just requires work. I've been doing that daily stretching, icing, heat, everything it takes. Um, But anyway, that's the update. We will continue to provide updates. But if you guys didn't check out last week's episode, episode 325, go back and check it out. We had five tips for playing smarter golf. And I would say if I didn't do that, it would have been even a bigger disaster. So there was Mm -hmm. still, like I said, there's there's goods to grasp onto, but then there's new spots to still learn. And hopefully you guys are able to take some of that similar stuff away from it as well. Um, All right. Let's dive into this week's Twitter tap-in. And as I say every week, if you're not already following us on Twitter, make sure you do so at Golficity um, because we're going to do this Twitter tap-in. We want to do this all season. It's something that, as I said, it's a great way to get feedback from it, from all of you out there and get you guys involved in the, the conversation. Uh, and this one was really interesting. Um, we, we, we kind of pushed it. We said we want to just like kind of hear one thing. And we said, what is the best golf advice you ever received. And the hope would be that uh, the rest of us can kind of learn from the ice. So mm-hmm. um, Mike, I even saw you wait in. So I'm going to let you t- take it off, uh, take it away with the very first yes, one. Yes, I did weigh in on this. And it, it's so hard because I've received so much great golf advice throughout the last 15 years from just the amazing amount of people that you and I have been able to play with guys like Piers and Andy and all the way down to even playing rounds with your father, right? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've gotten I've gotten advice like all over about tempo and my swing and everything like that. But by the way, you know where he is right now? What course he's playing? Uh, uh, Doral. No, no, no. It's it's local. He's playing Pound Ridge for the first time today. Is he really? He is. Oh, I'm, I'm excited for him. So That's I'm going to text him later and ask him how it went. That's great. I'm yeah. curious to see how he. Well, I mean, what is he like a five, three, four, five handicap? Uh, he's somewhere around, I think, a five right now. Yeah. He's yeah, so I like golfer. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the one thing that came out was uh, Greg Angelillo. The uh, we, we've seen him on some of our vlogs at Baltus Roll. He was actually on the podcast as well. But uh, he's a good friend of mine, club champ at Baltus Roll. We were we were playing one day. I think the first time I was there, and I was swinging out of my shoes. My tempo was all over the place, and he just casually walks by me. I'll never forget this. And like in a soft voice, he's like, "Hey, the softer you swing, the further it'll go." And then he just kept walking, like very cool and calm. And then from that point on, you know, tempo was. I kept thinking about it, and I was crushing shots. Yeah, 
Yeah, Greg, so, you just I always think of it. It's it's he, you know, the guy's a wealth of information. He he's lived the game for so long. And you look at even him, you look at his swing, and it reminds me of like a guy like Freddie Couples, where it doesn't look like he's generating a ton of power because it's just like such a simple swing. But it's just, I mean, the guy's out driving us 20, 30 yards every single time. I mean, he's just blasting 300 yard drives like it was nothing. And and it's true. I mean, you look at some of these guys' swings and it doesn't look like a whole lot. So, I mean, it's, a, it's terrific advice. It's going to weigh in in a second when we talk about how to stop flipping. Because there are mm-hmm. certain things that will happen where it's it's this feel thing where you feel like you're generating more speed and more power, but in reality, you're working against yourself. Um, but I think my favorite answer and something that I can totally relate to comes from at Philly Golfers. He said, just to have fun with the game and enjoy it. It's something we say constantly. I mean, it's a tagline that we put on all of our social accounts, enjoy the game, because it all starts there. You know, and it really mm-hmm. ends there as well, because if yep. you can't enjoy the game, then then why do it? You know, uh, there are so few people on earth who are playing this game for a paycheck. You know, the rest of us are playing this game for fun. So it, you got to enjoy it. Um, it, it. It's expensive. It's time consuming and it's frustrating. So if you're not having fun, yeah. don't do it. <laughs> That's just it. I mean, I still I still to this day and, and I used to do this a lot more. We're getting frustrated. People see people throwing clubs and whatever. And. I just can't get there anymore. You know, I'm just so yeah, like right. grateful to be out there playing. Even mm-hmm. if I have a bad round, I've gotten much better in recent years at shaking off a bad round. The way I played at Black Bear last week, I could let that linger. I could let that bother me or whatever. And I'm just like, no, just it's another opportunity to improve, you know, move on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I love that one. So thank you for contributing that. Um, Alex Napier says, play your own game. Don't worry about what everyone else is hitting, which is terrific advice and harkens back to what we talked about last week, one of our five tips uh, for playing smarter golf, because there's just that temptation. And I'm going to tell you what, everyone feels it. I felt it big time, man. When we, when all you guys teed off on that par four with driver, and we're all going after that green. And I went last, it, it was hard. Like my arm was reaching for the bag to go back for that driver, but I'm like, just play my game and I'll feel a lot more comfortable, uh, playing, uh, playing, you know, with the hybrid there. And, yep. uh, mm-hmm. I think I ended up being the only one who wasn't in, in a lot of trouble on that you right. know, with the second shot. So, I was happy about it. Um, even uh, here, another one. Uh, uh, Casey loves golf. He says, "Stop listening to your buddies. They, the, they just keep messing with your head. Be in, be in your game. Know your swing and be the ball." He said, "That's from his coach." Mm. Great stuff there. I like that one. I like that. Fanatic at Fanatic JD. He just writes one word: relax. And I like that because, like you just said, we're not out there on tour. The pressure shouldn't be there. Even if it's a friendly game against your friends, if you lose, you will survive the next day. Uh, everything will be fine. Just relax. Take a deep breath on every tee box and do your thing. I mean, that's that's great. I love that one. I do too. And I, I always love the, the sarcastic ones. Get this one from Sarcastic me. ones are great. They're great. So Matt Savage, he goes, take two weeks off, then quit. <laughs> he said, I'm glad I didn't listen to that one. <laughs> There, there you go. <laughs> that was great. And I see a lot of that. Relax, low and slow. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Another person says here, when when you know, when it's breezy, swing easy. Uh, I love those. Um, play. I hear a lot of swing your swing, play your shot. Um, don't swing too hard. 
another one who says quit here. But um, all those are great. When it comes down to fundamentals, I think one of the the best advice that I've seen comes from, of course, Kevin Sprecker, who we've done a lot of work with, who simplified it very much to us down to balance and rotation. Mm-hmm. If you can get those two things right, that is the fundamental to, to build the swing on. He was like, every swing should start with getting your balance, feeling your balance and rotating and so many issues. I learn I'm learning this more and more as I learn this game and I learn what I struggle with. So many issues come down to not rotating properly. And some oh, yeah. of it might be technique, learning the technique, some of it might be physical function, which I've been struggling with with physically being able to rotate with my back, but all I do, I learn learn from that. I've been working with uh uh, there's been a number of people who've reached out to me, you know, through social with some awesome tips on how to gain mobility, stretching. Joe Gambino uh, was one of them. He DM'd me, gave me some great stuff to work on. Uh, his podcast is excellent. If you guys haven't checked out uh, Fitness for the Fairways, he he goes over stuff like that. So that's a big one. But balance and rotation. And I and I told you this, Mike, the other day. I'm revisiting um, Ben Hogan's book. I've uh, been right. reading that at night before bed and I might as well be reading it for the first time. It's been so long since I've seen, since I've taken a look at that book and uh, just the way that he goes through and you realize when it comes down to the fundamentals, how little has changed since he wrote this book like 50 years ago. Um, but he just goes through, you know, each chapter, like one is the grip and then the ba- the stance and he just kind of goes through like simplifying it down and you realize how important these things are. Um, let's see here relax and have fun. Randy Norton says, relax and have fun. Uh, this is a great one too. Colby Ahern. I hope I'm saying that right. He says, swing faster, not harder. Um, I go. I've always enjoyed that as a little bit. Sometimes it just takes hearing it a little bit different as an analogy. When you just think swing fast, not swing hard, you know, and, and, and it, it just something about that statement helps you realize it's not bringing those arm muscles in. Like when we think hard, you think like you're punching something or whatever you're doing and you're like, you're throwing those, those arms into it, but fast comes from rotation. Um, so there's so many here this week. I can't even get through them all, but I appreciate everyone who weighed in. You guys can check out all the responses on our, our Twitter, Twitter handle. Just go to a uh, hashtag Twitter tap in and you can check this out. But thank you for everybody who responded. Uh, some really great ones in there for sure. Mike. Um, I love it every week, every week. It's so much fun. So let's do uh, let's do a couple words from our sponsors. And then we're going to jump into today's instructional segment where we're going to talk about how to stop flipping the club. And if you can do that, you're going to have a much more powerful impact. Yeah, man. So Frank, we've got a little something big about the land at the doorstep at Golf City HQ. Can you guess what it is? Something big, something big. Uh, is it the simulator that is eventually going in? Because <laughs> oh, that, that doesn't get much bigger that. than that. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about well, that with just, everything being on hold, right? We forgot about that. But this is big in concept, huge in concept. The all-new ShotScope V3s, that's right. The new ShotScope V3 stat tracking and GPS watches are coming in. And guys, we're getting a sneak peek. We're excited. Uh, we're going to be, you know, we played with them back at the beginning of the year in January. We saw them down at the PGA show, a little sneak peek. But you guys know that they're coming and they will be here soon. So in case you are new to the podcast, um, the ShotScope GPS watch stat tracking capability, it's an awesome piece of technology. And like I always say, 
you've seen us wear it. You've seen us wear it on the course, in the videos, on social. We usually, well, actually, not usually, always have it on, and we love it. We can't play around without it. And guys, with this new launch coming, you're going to be able to have the opportunity to either buy stat tracking capability or the watch that just has GPS only. So GPS only G3, that's going to launch at $159.99, and the V3 launch offer is going to be $179.99. So I'm not going to dive into it you know, yet. I want to get these things in our hands, talk about them a little bit more first experience uh, or firsthand, I should say, and then we will relay that over to you as it happens. So big thanks to ShotScope again uh, for supporting the show. And Frank, lastly, just want to uh, give FootJoy a shout. You know, wearing the right shoes matter. It always matters. I mean, that's why FootJoy offers the most types of shoes for more. I I, got to start that over because I'm stumbling over that word. You know, FootJoy offers more types of shoes for more types of players than anyone else. That's what I wanted to say. I mean, you could get matched with the right golf shoe uh, for your game with FootJoy.com with the new FootJoy shoe finder tool. I love this thing. It's really cool. It's nine questions long. You just answer them like how often do you play per week? Do you play on uh, wet ground? Are you down in the south? I mean, basically nine questions to understand your golf game and then boom. It spits out the shoe for you. I mean, how easy is that, Frank? Super simple, easy. Right? <laughs> yeah, super. You know, so, yeah. uh, you know, if you need a narrow shoe, if you need a wide shoe, extra wide, ultra stable, flexible, cleated, spikeless, do you walk, do you ride, you name it. FootJoy has you covered now with the shoe finder tool. You could find that at footjoy.com, guys. Go there now and find the shoe for you. All right, Frank, let's dive into it because I don't even know what flipping the club is all about. <laughs> so this is something, th- yeah, and look, it's something that I think in in – one regard or another, every golfer has has struggled with somehow. And that's why I called it at the top of the show sometimes sneaky. Because flipping, I'll be honest with you, wasn't really on my radar. Um, because I've always thought of it as a very dramatic move. It's something that you would immediately recognize. Um, and, and this, just like a lot of other kind of technical things we've talked about on the show before, uh, sometimes it's easier to see it than just hear about it here. So of course, uh, if you guys want to see any of these visuals, go to the uh, show notes, golfficy.com slash episode 326. Uh, you'll be able to see, we've linked to some of the articles and some of the visuals here, some videos that'll give you a better picture of what flipping really looks like. But what I'm used to is when you really see a dramatic flip and that's when that club head gets way out in front of the hands. Um, it's, it's why they use the the word flip because it's kind of like flipping, like flipping your wrists, right? So to speak. Um, however, my eyes were open when we were down in Florida in January and, uh, we were working with, uh, Zach, uh, from game like training. And I I went back and I rewatched that video and he said, he starts to talk about what's happening with me. And he's like, you know, look, you're, you're coming in and you're thinking you're, you start steep and then you're thinking you're shallow or you're too shallow. And then at the very end, you've got a little bit of a flip there and you're flipping the club. And that's, what's causing some of the inconsistency and some of the lack of power. And I was like, wow, never thought of it that way. You know, never thought of it as a, as a bit of a flip, because like I said, I always felt like, as a guy who's been playing golf for a long time, I'm going to, I'm going to feel it. I'm going to know when I'm flipping because it's such a dramatic move. And then I said, well, you know what? I thought about it and I'm like, that, that, that's a kind of a silly statement if I really think about it, because I guess there are differing degrees of everything. So it's something that you may not realize is a little bit of a part of your swing. It may be something that you're, you're struggling with a bit. So it's something that, it, you know, working with a good coach can really help. Uh, videoing your swing can really help. And there's also some telltale signs that'll kind of tell you 
that y- y- might be something that you're looking for. And, and that might be the first question. Like, how do I know when I'm flipping? Um, two things. One, uh, if there's a slice now, I'm not going to say that this is the only thing that causes a slice. Slice is kind of one of those, mm-hmm. those funny things that there's so many different things that can cause it in a golf swing. You can't really blame it on one thing. And I've always found that if, if you're struggling with something like this as, as kind of universal as a slice, it's, it's a great idea to go for that lesson because you can really go down a wormhole of trying to self teach this. You know, there are, if you just, if you just, you know, Google, you know, fix my slice or put that on, you know, check out YouTube, you'll find that there's just so many different answers because there's really so many different causes, but a flip is definitely in that mix. A flip is something that can really, uh, cause a slice. So if you're, if you're struggling with that, don't rule a flip out. And it, it tends to be because what happens when you flip that club a little bit, um, the, you put the club outside of that intended swing path. And then all you can do at that point is come, you know, swing through, you know, cut across that ball at impact. So if you're flipping, it could be one of those things. But another big one and a big telltale sign is a lack of power, especially if you feel like your swing speed is up and you're really, you feel like you're, 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 you're swinging fast enough to, to get the ball where it needs to go. But you just notice like you're kind of behind, like you're not, you're not hitting the ball quite as far as you want. Uh, And a big part of that could be the flip. And really, you know, it comes down to one more thing where that's kind of counterintuitive with golf. You know, it feels, it's another thing where it feels like you're swinging fast and, and a flip where you flip those wrists can feel like a very fast move. And it can also be something like, like I do subconsciously if, you know, we joke about how I hit up on the ball. Part of that is because that little flip at the end where I feel like I'm having to help the ball up into the air. And we've talked about mm-hmm. the physics of the game before on the show. We've talked about how it's kind of counterintuitive that you with everything except for your driver, you're hitting down on the ball, causing that ball to to backspin as it uses the loft of the club. And that's what causes the lift. And that, that hitting down is what creates that compression that causes the ball to fly further. So um, understanding what really is flipping. As you swing down towards impact, your hands should be leading that club head. So in other words, the club head should always be lagging behind the position of the hands. And that was what will build that speed gradually so the maximum power is unleashed at just the right moment. And this goes back to what you were saying, Mike, about swinging slow or whatever, where we, we say a lot of these these tour pros, it looks like their, their swing is slow but they're generating a ton of, uh, of club head speed. And a lot, of, a lot of that is because they're not swinging fast. They don't have club head speed the whole time. It's just that they generate all their club head speed at the right moment. They hold that lag out and then they're able to just generate tons of speed at just the right moment. So you want to do that. You want to be able to gradually build that speed to maximum power and just unleash it in that moment of impact and even right immediately after. Um, so, so players, uh, uh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I'm actually, while you're, while you're saying this, I'm watching this video that's in the article tiger of tiger woods hitting the slow-mo five iron shot. Mm-hmm. It's amazing where his hands are when the club meets the ball at impact. Yeah. And if you notice his hands you know, are always out in front of the club head, the club head never gets in yes. front of his hands. So he's mm-hmm. creating that impact, you know, angle and it's just, and, but for like, again, what separates the pros from us there's a lot of things, but you know, upper and lower body, you know, separation with rotation. But these guys just hold that lag out to such an extent, to so far mm-hmm. in that swing, and they don't release it until that last moment. And that's what creates that like 
whipping effect that just boom, that club head speed goes way up really quick. So I think a lot of us as you know, newer golfers, we think the whole swing has to be fast. And we, we, you know, we get to the, to the transition. We, we often rush our transition from the backswing to the downswing. We rush it because we want it to be fast. And we pull that club head down and you just try to like just move your hands and too much hands and arms get involved. The reality goes back to, again, rotation is what should be causing that. So you have that good leg. You're going to have that significant angle between your lead arm uh, and the shaft of the club on the way down. And again, watch the slow-mo, like you were just saying, Mike, that's what's really going to set you apart. You can see it. Mm -hmm. You have to see it. And then if you look in the article that you're referencing, just below it is that image that shows the flip. And that's where the, the wrists start to break, so to speak. And then that club head starts to get out in front of the hands. And when that happens, the flip, you lose power. Now that moment could be very momentary, could be very just at the end, like kind of like what I'm doing where I'm helping the ball up into the air a little bit too much and I'm flipping at the end, or it could be much more dramatic. I mean, you look at some very brand new golfers and oftentimes their wrists are breaking way further back and they're just kind of like flipping that club. And those are the ones that, like I said, I was my previous understanding of it was like, oh, that's something you can't miss. I mean, you're going to feel it if you're casting that that, you know, it's almost like when I say flip or cast, like it's like almost like a fishing reference. You know, you used to where uh, you cast it and you break that wrist and then the the, the end of the, uh, the ro- fishing rod gets way out in front of the hands. If you think of the golf club, that kind of that same way, it's just like you're casting it that way. So, um, and there's a ton of training aids on the market for this thing, right? There's like a Impact lot of great Snap ones. Was one of the ones that we've used. Yeah. There was the other one where you like the, something in your wrist. I forgot what it was called. Just to stop the casting. Yep. I there mean, was like the angle. Called, there are plenty. Ang- 144 yeah, angle, angle, something like yeah. that. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, there's just so many out there, um, but it, all of them are trying to give you that feel of what it should feel like. But this, like I said, the, the flip can happen anytime. It can even happen as early as just starting from right after the transition to the downswing. And that's usually when it's so obvious, it's easier to spot. But where it can be a sneaky problem, as I said, is where it's less obvious. You can't necessarily uh, spot it because it's only happening for that brief brief moment. Um, so question now becomes, okay, what, what can be causing this? Especially if it's a little bit of a sneaky thing. What are some of the things that can cause it? And understanding that is really boils down to understanding the fundamentals um, and understanding things like impact position. And there's just so much that can go into this. Um, but one big thing Again, right back to that same conversation we've been having, it's rushing, rushing the swing. And that's where, like Greg was saying, you know, slow, it means long. But again, all these words can sometimes mm-hmm. be confusing because in reality, you don't really want to swing slow. You want to generate swing speed, but the but you want to generate it in the right moment. That's where tempo comes down. You don't want to be fast and rushing through the whole swing. You just want to hold that lag out and have that last couple moments through impact be where most of your speed is generated. So as the swing develops, there's a lot of a lot of times, and I felt this way, uh, especially when you start to play poorly, like I was playing the other day, and then you just kind of want to rush through the swing because you want to just you, your mind is trying to correct whatever's going on, and you're just trying to get through it faster. So you end up, you know, hurrying the whole swing right through the end, and and when you feel like that, the chances are your hands are getting involved and they're forcing the club to move quickly towards impact. So rather than letting your hands just come along for the ride, 
Like that's what it really should be. Like it's a rotation ride and your, 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 your hands have just bought the ticket and they're just, they're just coming along for the yeah, ride. Right. That's what it should be. <laughs> yep. But what happens is your hands try to get involved in that power and they start to rush and they start to get ahead of your rotation. And now all of a sudden they flip, you know, cause where's your anatomy, where are you going to go? And you get all kind of bound up and you flip that club. So you want to make sure that your hands are, are, are especially kind of staying quiet and not rushing down through that impact. Um, and that hand action, that's what can cause the flip. You end up dragging the club through the ball rather than letting the ball just, you know, the club move its way through as you rotate through it. Um, so if you can convince yourself, look, there's no, no reason to rush still want to swing fast, quote unquote. I want to still want to have that speed, but take away the idea of rushing. Don't rush through it. Let the swing develop naturally. Let it do its thing. Let all the parts kind of fall into place. That's a big one. Another one, a poor grip. A poor grip can definitely cause this. Again, going back to that Ben Hogan book, uh, he does a whole chapter on on grip and why it's so important. And you hear all the time, we hear people say, yes, mm-hmm. it's your connection to the club. Yes, of course. But he explained it in a way that really connected with me where he says, when your grip is good, especially at the top of your swing, you won't have to make any adjustments. When you've got a bad grip or something that's wrong with your grip, your body has to make these compensations because it gets uncomfortable in different spots of your swing. When you've got a really good grip, you're able to get to that to the top and it just feels natural. You're not moving the club around. You're not making adjustments. And those little adjustments are what lead to inconsistency. We all want more consistency in our swing, right? I'm working hard on that. Um, So I'm trying to hone it down on fundamentals because when you get away from Goodstown fundamentals, you're relying on body adjustments and timing. And if you think about Mm -hmm. it, if there are milliseconds that this happens and if you think about the small amount of degrees that that club head has to be off to create significantly big changes in where the ball goes, you realize that if you're just relying on your body to make all these adjustments every single time, it's not going to happen. And when it fails, you're moving that the ball's going where you don't want it to go. Right. So if you can get back to basics on grip technique, which we won't get into here because we've done whole episodes on it, I'm sure we'll probably even revisit it. And there are so many resources out there. Again, I think that Ben Hogan's book is a great place to to start with that. But get back to the basics of grip technique. Relook at your grip technique. In fact, Hogan in that book, he's a proponent of just taking um, a week of just working on your grip, just on, you know, taking, you know, letting go of the club and regripping it, letting it go until it becomes very natural feeling, you know, that's all going to help. Um, and then as well, this is another one that kind of, to me kind of goes hand in hand with rushing, but just trying to hit the ball too hard. You know, it's, it's kind of, again, it's ironic, um, that trying to hit the ball harder is actually causing, you to hit the ball less hard, so to speak, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, when you because when you flip, you lose power, but you're trying. So it's, it's another one of those ways that golf in general can can be frustrating and confusing because it, it there's certain things that work against what you would think would be the common sense way to think about it. Um, but here is an example of that where it feels like a powerful move when you flip that club. You feel like you're getting that last little bit of energy and going through it. But the reality is you lose power when you flip. 
when you don't hold that lag out. So you're going to be wasting that speed. You're wasting it too early in the swing when you start to get that club out ahead of your hands. Because if you think about it, if you go to just an impact, a static impact position, if you feel an impact position that's correct with the with the the hands out in front, it feels like a more powerful position than if you just did a static impact position in a flipped where the where the club head is out in front of the 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 hands and the wrists are are kind of you know broken over that way. That doesn't feel very powerful. So it's fine to make an aggressive swing, but remember it's the rotation that does the work, not the hands. Yeah, and, this uh, one was designed for me. I mean, I was thinking about on Sunday, 13 at Black Bear was a par five. It was a long hole with an uphill approach shot surrounded by bunkers. And, you know, you want to get the ball down the fairway because, you know, it's just long and it's and it's tough. So I remember I swung out of my shoes and great that we have the footage of all these swings because I want to see where my hands are at impact because I snap hooked that ball like 80 yards left into the woods. Yeah. Whereas on the 18th hole, I feel like I hit that tee shot with the same aggressive speed and tempo and everything, and I ended up hitting a fade, beautiful, I think it measured like 302 middle of the fairway. Yeah, that one was a bomb. So, but the, I'm sure if I go back to the videotape, I'll see where my wrists are. Now I'm curious to see, did I create more lag? Uh, was the other one just rushed? You know, so interesting. No doubt. I mean, rushing, think about it. It's whenever we, it's those reachable par fours and things like that, when we want to s- reach and swing harder we get out of our tempo we swing faster and we end up either losing consistency with dispersion or we're losing speed with some sort of flip or whatever it may be but it's really rotation and it's something that i don't know how i'm going to get it to click in my mind because i know it's a big part of it for me it's it's just been so many years of playing the game the same way with my hand getting a little bit too much of the hands involved and not relying Mm -hmm. enough on my rotation it's funny, I still remember it, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just from being human. I can't replicate it to this day, but my lowest round ever was a 77. It was the only time I ever broke 80. I've knocked at the door many other times, shooting 80 and 81. Um, and that day, I went out there and I played. Now, granted, there's other aspects of the game, like my putting was on, which that, that makes a huge difference. But the whole time I felt like I never felt my hands or arms. It was all rotation. You know, I just, I just swung with my hips and, and all those things. Cause I had, I, it was what I was working on at the time. And I was able to maintain it for 18 holes, you know, any other mm-hmm. time, you know, I, I've, I've gotten splashes of it, but then I, I seem to fall back into this comfort zone of the old swing. So I know there's work that needs to be done, but I felt it. I felt it once and I just want to feel it every time. But it's when you're just, and, and like I said, everybody kind of, it was great when we worked with game like training because they would have you explain it to them rather than them try right. to explain the feeling to you because everyone, mm-hmm. it clicks in their head differently, especially when you describe it. What do you feel? And like, what, you know, what do you feel? And I can say for me, it might not work, this, this mindset might work, not work for everyone. But when I explain it, what it feels good is when I feel like my arms and hands are just along for the ride. They have nothing to do with it. The only thing they have to do with is just they, they physically hold the club, but all the swing comes from turning my, you know, rotating my body, upper and lower body back and through. And it's just hard to do every time, you know, it's, right. it's it game's is. not easy, yeah. but it, it's what's helped for me. So 
a helpful drill, if you are struggling with these types of things, and first and foremost would be assessing those. Are you rushing? Uh, do you? How does your grip look? Are you trying to hit the ball too hard? First, assess those things. Use that as a starting point if you're trying to get over the flip. But another really great drill, assuming let's say you're a right-handed golfer, um, what you can do is start making some practice swings with the left arm only. So if you're making practice swings with just your lead arm, uh, it's going to be amplified the feeling if you flip. You will realize very quickly if you are breaking that wrist because you don't have the other hand on there supporting it. Um, so you'll find out really quickly uh, that you you really don't have to rely on anything more than your body's rotation to move the club because your your left hand, your lead hand is just holding the club there. And, you know, obviously you're not going to be as accurate as you would be with two hands, um, but because you don't have as great a connection to the club as you would with two hands, but it will show you and, and give you an idea of how that lead wrist can kind of stay flat and you can just kind of swing through it. I did this recently where I've seen improvement is with chipping. I started mm -hmm. practicing because what I noticed is that where one area I definitely was flipping was in short chip shots where I would flip and try to lift the ball and help the ball into the air rather than move down through the ball, just like any other swing and, you know, rely on it, you know, hitting that down on that ball in a chip through impact, which would give me more backspin, be able to stop the ball better. Instead, I was flipping and it was almost like, like a, a bad hockey wrist shot. You know, I was trying to right, like wrist right. it yep. up, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of that action comes from the right hand for a right-handed golfer, you know, right-handed golfer. So I started in my backyard practicing left-hand only chips, left-hand only full swings without hitting a golf ball. But you could do this at the range. Uh, there's a lot of ways you can do it, but just left-hand only, you can start with half swings, try to work your way up. Um, but if you can get that down, it will give you the feeling of a good impact. And then all you need to do is reincorporate your right hand and not change anything. So next time you're on the range, try even take a few practice swings, lead arm only. You can even do it on the course. Put it as part of your, if you're really struggling, just put it as part of your pre-shot routine. Take one or two lead arm only practice swings, then incorporate the other hand just to give yourself that feel that you need because um, it is a great way to feel the way the the arm should move through impact. So, hey, yeah, when's the last time you put in a range session? Six months. It's not in 2020. I'll tell you that yeah, much. Right. I mean, if you other than if you when you say range session, I'm thinking you mean some practice time on the range, right? Practice time. Yeah, yeah that. Time. I mean, dedicated warming up on the range before a round like we did last weekend. Sure, yeah, I did that, no, but dedicated, right. no. And I even mm -hmm. uh, it, it, just now, um, the facilities are starting to open. I don't even know. Like we've we've had it where we've been able to use the range for two of the rounds we played since lockdown has kind of eased up. But I didn't see where the range was just open to the general public. Did you? No, I haven't seen it. I think we just got to get this uh, this HQ vision set up, man, so we can just make that Take some range. cuts in there. Yeah, because I was actually because of this, I've been trying, especially working through what I was working through last weekend, I was going to call my local course here and ask if the range is open to the public. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a public course, but from what we've right. been experiencing so far, it's been because of the social distancing and trying to space people out, the ranges have really been only open to those guys who are playing. And mm -hmm. you know they space out the tee times. And then when it's almost your tee time. You're permitted to use the range. Even prior to that, two, three weeks ago, there was no range. You, you had to show up to your tee time no more than 15 minutes before and wait in your car. 
So it's definitely hurt a lot of our ability to practice. But the good thing about this is that you can at least take those practice swings with not hitting a ball in your backyard. Um, That's true. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, man, I need I need a range set. I need a dedicated practice range sesh badly, badly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Just I to work you. out those kinks, man. There's, there's a lot of That's kinks it. that come with not playing in a couple months. You're right. So. You're right. That's it. So yeah. So anyway, that is everything we have for you guys, but we always like your input. So if you have any of the drills of your own on how to uh, stop flipping, if you, if you struggle with it, maybe you've worked with a coach and a coach gave you a great drill, share them with the rest of us, post them in the Facebook group, post them in the comments below, uh, share them with the golficity community because we can all learn from each other. Uh, and I'm sure there are, there's plenty. I mean, this is a big topic. There's plenty that we couldn't cover here in one podcast episode. So we would love to hear that. Uh, as I said before, you can get to the show notes by going to golfficity.com slash episode 326. And you can take a look at some of the images and videos that we shared there. Uh, just that video of Tiger. You learn so much just watching him and uh, all the players on tour uh, mm-hmm. who do that. No matter what their backswing and their takeaway looks like, like you look at uh, like Wolf or something like that. Um, if you look at their moment of impact, they're all creating that great lag and they're they're not letting that club get out in front of the hand. So if you can learn from watching that, if that's the visual that let, lets it click for you, terrific. So... Let us know. Give us your feedback in the Facebook group, and we'll see everybody again next week.